0: Hi, this is Tony Tolato, and this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, horror, fantasy, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Imagine trying to create several versions of London for the sci-fi VR series of Peripheral. That daunting task was taken by my two guests. We'll look at their magic in a moment. Visual effects supervisors Jay Worth and Mark Spatney spoke to me about their work on the Prime video series, The Peripheral. Gentlemen, great to talk to you. Some, you've had a great body of work from uh, Westworld, iRobot, so you guys have done it, and uh, its I'm really, really pleased that you're working on this. A very, very cool show. I love how the future tries to manipulate the past. That's all part of the fun of the show. We'll talk about a few things that are curious, but Lo- doing London in the future. Talk about, I mean, visually, very impressive. I have a big screen too. So, well, you know, we'll start with Mark and then Jay. What, how sure. did that, uh, I guess the art department has something to do with it. And then you bring it to life, so to speak.
1: Right. Well, um, actually, Jay should start out with this because Jay was doing conversations about this six months before I was even on the show. So, <laughs>
2: okay. Uh, <laughs> I, re- I remember reading this script back in 2018, shockingly. Yeah, no, we worked with Jan in the art department considerably um, to help try and develop what this look was. But we honestly, we were struggling with what the iconic air scrubber vibe was going to be for this show, you know, all the way through production. I mean, Mark, we didn't even figure this totally thing out until after we finished shooting. Right. And right, it yeah. really was this combination of trying to. It was interesting how hard it was, to be honest, right? Like, because you, you kind of go down as, should it be organic? Should it be, like, what is this thing that's going to be interesting? Tell us what it is. Still feel like London, but at the same time, be unique enough to be a signature element of the show. And it was honestly some of the concept work that a company called Tendril did you know, a long time ago um, as we were trying to figure out what the overall tone would be even before we started production. And we kept coming back to this one image of the David kind of encapsulated in these greebles. You know how it is. A lot of times it just takes that one little spark of one thing to then branch out and go like, okay, well, what other statues could we do? And, and then it was a, should we do all Davids or what should we be? And we started coming up with this idea of circles around London and, you know, trying to make up at least some form of rule set for ourselves so that we could build off of that and it really came down to this one image of a David at this un- underside angle that really kind of sparked um, how we were going to build everything else and then we were able to take that and give it to the team at Blue Bolt and have them run with it. Yeah and, it was
0: fantastic.
1: You know when we came out of production the concept art that we actually had from the art department was really more in kind of a combination of industrial and organic. So there would, it would look like a gigantic mile high refinery, but with with organic elements to like purify the air. Cause you know, you think like associate, you know, trees with uh, purifying. And so, so they wanted to get that aspect of it. But when we started to play with putting those in the city, it just stuck out too much. It, it felt like a sore thumb. It just really didn't fit everything else in the city. And we wanted to play London as it is now for London. You know, we didn't want to do a major recreation of changing everything in the city. So we did end up going back to those tendril designs. And, and once we set on the idea of statues, we also played with, should it be like iconic English heroes? Should it, you know, should it be St. George and King Arthur, Sir Isaac Newton, or, you know, people like that. But ultimately, it felt like the the classical Greek and Roman statues really fit the the architecture of the city best of anything.
2: And it was interesting, one of those things about the uh, the concept art that we were getting before we, you know, as we were finishing production, it was interesting. It, it was definitely a case that the concept art looked really cool, and we started to put that into our plates, and it just didn't work. Do you know what I mean? It was one of those yeah. things where sometimes that really can be that launching point, and sometimes it's like, oh, wait, that that fell apart when we actually built it the way we need to build it and created a real sculpture and a real statue and a real thing. It was like, well you know and that's where we were thankfully able to have time to pivot and and create something that ended up feeling kind of like a signature for the show
0: got to talk about the stealth, the stealth car that is the coolest any one of you or both of you please jump in and 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 talk about that that was that was really really cool we should all have one <laughs> but actually pretty dangerous if we did probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there's
2: that you know that was it's it's always one of those things right where you you see something written and We've all seen versions of this, you know, however, I won't say a hundred times, but a lot of times, right? And you always come back to some of the similar things. It's like, well, we want it to feel like Predator, but not like that. You know, we want it to feel like this, but not like that. So it's always, I always just find one of the fun things about our jobs is just to try and figure out what that new thing we can add to it and what that layer is to it, that we can really, you know, figure out a way that it doesn't feel like a wipe, that it doesn't feel like what it is. And it was interesting, like, honestly, it was it was something as simple as dealing with the surface planes and the reflectivity mixed with breaking the car into chunks that we were able to do this. Like in the day, we probably would, it would have been more of a simple wipe, but, you know, we were able to just break it apart and really just kind of look at it long enough and go, well, wait, what is this going to, how are we going to make this feel a little more organic and really be able to figure out what that texture would be. And, and really it turned into a timing thing and a how we revealed it and almost tricking your eye as much as the technology that we came up with, to, you know, to make it up.
1: We've got to give credit to our partners at FutureWorks in India who who did that because our initial ask was actually for something a bit simpler than, than what they gave us. Um, they added the sort of dot texture over it aside from sort of the reflective predator look. And, uh, and at first we looked at that and said, Ooh, that's, that's more than what we were asking for. We were thinking something a little bit subtler, but the more we looked at it, the more we realized like, actually, no, that's, that's really cool. Let's, exactly. let's, with that. let's run with it. Now, how do we, how do we use that and then make it a little even more interesting? And that's where the idea of breaking it up into different surfaces. So if you look like the painted parts of the car go at one speed, the, the rubber of the tires change at a different speed, hubcaps change at different speed. So it's all based yeah. on the material
0: very very cool it, the scene that i think sold me on it was when the deputy approaches the car and he yeah. opens he finds a way to open the door and it of course it's like the door's blocking him a little and, and he, it's all invisible i thought that was really really cool now another thing that is interesting and unique to the show is that gun and actually i just watched an episode what about bob where it was used prominently but also in the pilot Where essentially is that like is that sonic or what exactly is that?
2: Yeah, it's a sonic punch. Yeah. That's what the description of it is. So So when you guys super
1: concentrated sound wave. And you'll you'll notice actually it works at different strengths. It could just knock somebody over. It can like completely obliterate something. And there's actually a timing on it. So like the longer the trigger is held down and you hear this like whining noise build up, the stronger then the output of it is. The charge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you press it against somebody, it can do some major damage when it's like right on their body. So, yeah. Obviously, there's coordination involved. They obviously shoot part of it live action where probably the stunt person has to react to the blast and like get thrown against a wall kind of thing. That's the footage that you guys get to uh, to kind yeah. of punch up.
2: Yeah. All it really was was just a straight up wire pull. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. It pretty Which standard, he was forever again. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a pretty standard one. Um, and we just got this idea of you know, kind of a bubble. It was like, what if a big bubble, you know, got hit it? And so, we kind of even it was funny, it was one of those ones that you know, bubble with some bending to it, and you know, then we had to move away from the bubble because it distorted things a little bit too much. But we kept coming back to this thing of. There was this, it was like the version three, I think we kept coming back to over and over again. It was like, no, there's something cool about the way it was going. It would actually broke apart like a bubble almost that as it hit the person and flew past them. And then it was also we we noticed just adding all those little things of dust and some things about the interactivity of the environment really was what ended up making it feel like it was settled in there and something that was a real effect.
0: The challenge, I think, and just looking at this from like how do you separate the worlds is the near future of 2032, and then the future of 2099. You know, keeping that designs straight where one is closer to us and the other one is nowhere near us. So uh, talk about that challenge and, and making all
2: that happen. I mean, for me, a lot of it ends up, thankfully we had two very different locations, right? Like the differences in the locations really helped the wardrobe and costume and that sort of stuff was so unbelievably specific and unique and beautiful for the future world. But for a lot of the times, it ends up being what you take away from the world rather than what you add. You know, Mm. the addition of the glass streets, taking away different things, you know, taking away some traffic things, lines on the streets. There's enough when you're looking at it, you can't quite put your finger on it, but you're like, okay, this feels different enough from the world that we've seen to feel foreign and, you know, just off. So you, you don't quite know what it is, but it just feels different. Um, and then you can throw in a few of their iconic things and you're kind of well on your way. Um, and then on it, obviously, you know, the way they did the production design for the, for the, for the near future, you know, just enough of these little textures of things to make it not quite feel like our world, um, but to feel unique enough, I think really really sold everything and it really that that just comes down to all the different departments you know from costumes and hair and, and and production design
1: and credit to our director Vincenzo on the first two episodes who really put a lot of thought into it like like the subtle thing of the Roomba that doesn't have wheels it hovers you know that's like everybody knows what a Roomba is but the slight difference of that it hovers over the ground is just tells you like we're a little bit further um, the video games uh, and the virtual reality world that we see uh from the 2033 world uh is just a little bit better than what we have now because it's, you know, we're taking real live footage and just giving it a little bit of a video game look. So it feels like it's more real than what we would have now, but not quite, you know, perfect. Like it's not the holodeck in Star Trek or something. You right. Know? Yeah. Right.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to Sci-Fi Talk, but stick around. I have more. Let's get back to Sci-Fi Talk. I'm Tony Tolado. This is something I think that's probably going to be happening in the future. I heard that artificial intelligence was used in creating some of the effects. Is is that right? Yeah. Mark, jump
2: on in on it
1: yeah I mean the,
0: the like what I just mentioned, um we we used
1: a company called Control Media in Belgium to do that video game treatment look. and literally what they did was took an AI, a deep fake kind of AI, train it with um, games that were done, you know of like unreal games, uh, first person war shooters, that kind of thing, and so it could learn the look of those games and then took our footage of our actors and ran it through that so then it processed it to you know smooth out some of the skin pores and add a little bit more contrast and a little bit more saturation and give a little bit more edging on the bodies and stuff and and also just kind of tweak the camera angles a little bit it makes it like a little bit of a wider angle field than how it was really shot but that was all done through uh, artificial intelligence
0: yeah. could this be the next big thing i mean obviously it's a tool it's not going to replace you guys but is it, is it the next big thing you think?
2: Oh, definitely. Like the, the amount of ways you can utilize it to create things that you haven't quite seen before, um, even just in terms of the speed of iterations um, with some of these new AI and, and machine learning things, um, I think is going to uh, potentially help. And I, that's the thing, like you said, it's not going to replace. It's going to be another tool that I think these artists in the world can utilize to help come up with uh, different things more quickly and and be able to iterate on things as well as just come up with new ideas for things and how to tackle really challenging problems that these amazing writers keep coming up with.
1: And we're we're using that tool all the time already. I mean, if you if you look at shows where. You have to make an actor look much younger, much older. We're using AI tools to do that right now, as we speak. That's that's been going on for years already.
0: Yeah, I heard that for the new Indiana Jones, uh, they used it to yeah. de-age Harrison, and yeah. they said the results were absolutely incredible. So, wow, that's I can't wait to see that. That's going to be wild. So amazing the things you can do, uh, you know. For this, how much time was there that you had lead time? to get these effects ready. Was the footage shot first or did you all start working on this ahead of time? Probably for like London and things like that. We started shooting in May of last year, I think May 1st
1: um, and finished end of October, uh, beginning of November last year. And then we were working up until two weeks ago on our on our final wow. episode. So wow. yeah, yeah. So it was almost a
0: year of post production on this. Wow, it shows. I mean, there's a lot of good work in there, no doubt about it. Another thing to credit you guys is the London of 2075. Just deconstructing everything. <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> Talk about that. That was uh, that was some like good apocalyptic uh, kind of footage there.
2: Yeah, it was a fun one. It you know it's this was definitely a you know you you talk about the world enough um that we're creating um you know and and it's kind of fun like you said just to break it apart and figure out uh how this how this could look like with flooded canals flood, flooded streets and and sadly bombed out buildings um But it was it was a fun one. And also to just give little tastes of things as the air scrubbers are starting to get built in these in these aerial shots and and things that you can see things are starting to come back, but they're definitely not back yet. Um, It was a fun challenge to to tackle.
1: And luckily for those sequences, we were working with um, two companies in London. So, for example, when we had to do our scene that was the the Young Wilf and Young Alita outside Parliament Square, you know, they were actually able to go to the location, shoot stills, get good scans of everything to build
0: our models from and, and work from there. And it, it helped a lot. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. I did like in the pilot where they're in the car and the arrows are on the street and stuff like that. Very video game-ish. Uh, that was neat. Always a part of the plan to put that in, or, or was that added? Was that something that was come up?
2: The the glass streets was always this thing that we had seen in these concepts. And Vincenzo had had this idea for a while, and um, you know, we had different versions of the the arrows and the lines. First, it was a line, and then it was going to be in front of it, and then we kind of made up this rule of. What if it's safety based? What if it's based on the distance between a car could would be able to stop so pedestrians would know what it is. So, you know, we always talk about trying to make up some rule even if it's never explained to try and stick to some form of a rule because it ends up feeling a little more grounded. So we just made up this rule of, if it's a certain distance away from the car, that it would be a certain amount of of braking distance. Um, So as the car slows down, it gets a little closer. And then as it accelerates, it gets a little wider. And it just helps give us this idea. But we had always planned on having this kind of lit up street even before we shot, because we had all these conversations about should we do interactive, should we not, and all these different aspects of things. But um, it ended up being a fun once again, just a little something that it feels like is it charging the car? Is it doing something? You know, all Mm -hmm. these different aspects that just help it feel, you know, grounded and real. Um, And we made it even more so that. Automated cars had it, and self-driving cars didn't. You know, like all these different things that you kind of just kind of work through to to figure out what 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 you should do with different aspects of things. And you know, we didn't do it in every street, um, but we just did it in main thoroughfares to give it a, a little extra texture.
1: And it's a you know, it's a good example of how things evolve over a production. The original concept art showed that the lights were under the car, so that yeah. it was literally just going to be like a shiny light under the car as it goes. And eventually, one of our executive producers went. Like, why? What what would that be for? If we're going to do some sort of light glowing street thing, let's make it functional. Let's make it like a warning to pedestrians and put it in front of the car. And you go like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, you know?
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> Lastly, the uh, the thing that stood out to me is kind of like the AIs or robots or androids and this with the face, with the with the covering, and then kind of all this animation on it fantastic work I mean that that must have uh, took some planning and uh, but it looks absolutely terrific and and I love how they can change their personality I thought that was cool
2: well interestingly enough that one was uh, all decided after the fact when we were shooting it it was just going to be a person in a mask and we were going to be painting out some eye holes Um, and we got to it after the fact and it just didn't it didn't pop. It didn't feel like enough of a technology and and where, you know, the the novels are and where our world had created after we got all the footage. And so Jonah came up with, he's like, guys, I need something more elegant and it needs to have some other function to it. And he's like, I want it to be a, you know, he basically described it. I want it to be made out of triangles and have a hollow head. And it was like, all right, let's figure out. So we partnered with the group of uh, Refuge VFX to figure out how this would work. And, what, what do we need to do and how we could create this this hollow space that has this elegance to it that then also could be projected upon and we could have different aspects of things and to- tell different stories throughout the course of the season about these different coids and what they'd be based on um based on having these projection and these different triangles to them. So it was a fun challenge that we were able to to tackle after the fact. but yeah, it wasn't wasn't a whole lot of of planning. It was a a sprint after we realized we needed to do it. Amazing, amazing. Gentlemen, uh, your work is exemplary on this. You
0: you literally, with the help of a lot of other people, have built a world, a futuristic one. And then you have, the, you know, the folks behind, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Westworld and and even Fringe, uh, too. One of the producers worked on Fringe. So, and then I think for Chloe, I think this is a, a breakout role for her to do more adult parts. So, Great cast and uh, yeah, she's
1: she's really outstanding for sure.
0: Yeah, did you guys do the drone stuff too with the uh, where you see like the, the the drone overhead and you see kind of like the grid yeah. of everything too? Yeah. that was nice. That was really nice. All right, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy holidays uh, to you both. You too. nice to meet you. Take care. All right, same here. It's been a pleasure. Look for the peripheral on Prime Video. This is Tony Talato.